0: Section 14 of The Char Woman's Daughter by James Stevens. Chapters 28 and 29. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter 28. When the sexual instinct is aroused, Men and dogs and frogs and beetles and such other creatures as are inside or outside of this catalogue are very tenacious in pursuit of their ambition. We can seldom get away from that which attracts or repels us. Love and hate are equally magnetic and compelling, and each, being supernormal, drags us wilfully and woefully in its wake until at last our blind persistency is either routed or appeased and we advance our lauds or gnash our teeth as the occasion bids us there is no tragedy more woeful than the victory of hate nor any attainment so hopelessly barren as the sterility of that achievement for hate is finality and finality is the greatest evil which can happen in a world of movement love is the inaugurator displaying his banners on captured peaks and pressing forever to a new and more gracious enterprise but the victories of hate are gained in a ditch from which there is no horizon visible, and whence there does not go even one limping courier. After Mary fled from the embrace of the great policeman, he came to think more closely of her than he had been used. But her image was throned now in anger. She came to him like a dull brightness wherefrom desolate thunder might roll at an instant. Indeed, she began to obsess him so, that not even the ministrations of his aunt, nor the obeisances of that peasant girl, the name of whose boots was Fairy Bell, could give him any comfort, or wean him from a contemplation which sprawled gloomily between him and his duties to the traffic. If he had not discovered the lowliness of her quality, his course might have been simple and straightforward. The issue in such an event would have narrowed to every man's poser whether he should marry this girl or that girl, but the arithmetic whereby such matters are elucidated would at the last have eased his perplexity, and the path indicated could have been followed with the fullest freedom on his part and without any disaster to his self-love. If, whichever way his inclination wavered, there was any pang of regret, and there was bound to be, such a feeling would be ultimately waived by his reason or retained as a memorial which had a gratifying savor but the knowledge of mary's social inferiority complicated matters for although this automatically put her out of the question as his wife her subsequent ill treatment of himself had injected a virus to his blood which was one half a passion for her body and one half a frenzy for vengeance he could have let her go easily enough had she not first let him go for he read dismissal in her action and resented it as a trespass on his own prerogative he had but to stretch out his hand and she would have dropped to it as tamely as a kitten whereas now she eluded his hand would indeed have nothing to do with it and this could not be forgiven he would gladly have beaten her into submission for what right has a slip of a girl to withstand the advances of a man and a policeman that is a crooked spirit demanding to be straightened with a truncheon but as we cannot decently or even peaceably beat a girl until she is married to us he had to relinquish that dear idea he would have dismissed her from his mind with the contempt she deserved but alas he could not she clung there like a burr not to be dislodged saving by possession or a beating two shuddering alternatives for she had become detestably dear to him his senses and his self-esteem conspired to heave her to a pedestal where his eyes strained upwards in bewilderment that she who was below him could be above him this was astounding she must be pulled from her eminence and stamped back to her native depths by his own indignant hoofs thence she might be gloriously lifted again with a calm benignant masculine hand shedding pardons and favors and perhaps a mollifying unguent for her bruises bruises a knee an elbow they were nothing little damages which to kiss was to make well again "'Will not women cherish a bruise that it may be medicined by male kisses?' "'Nature and precedent have both sworn to it, but she was out of reach. "'His hand, high-flung as it might be, could not get to her. "'He went furiously to the Phoenix Park, to St. Stephen's Green, "'to outlying leafy spots and sheltered lanes, but she was in none of these places. "'He even prowled about the neighborhood of her home and could not meet her.' once he had seen mary as she came along the road and he drew back into a doorway a young man was marching by her side a young man who gabbled without ceasing and to whom mary chattered again with an equal volubility as they passed by mary caught sight of him and her face went flaming she caught her companion's arm and they hurried down the road at a great pace she had never chattered to him always he had done the talking and she had been an obedient grateful listener nor did he quarrel with her silence but her reserve shocked him it was a pretense worse a lie a masked and hooded falsehood she had surrendered to him willingly and yet drew about her a protective armor of reserve wherein she skulked, immune to the arms which were lawfully victorious is there then no loot for a conqueror "'We demand the keys of the city walls and unrestricted entry, "'or our torches shall blaze again.' "'This chattering Mary was a girl whom he had never caught sight of at all. "'She had been hiding from him even in his presence. "'In every aspect she was in anger. "'But she could talk to the fellow with her, "'a skinny whipper-snapper whom the breath of a man could shred "'into remote eyeless vacuity. "'Was this man another insult?' "'Did she not even wait to bury her dead? "'Pah! "'She was not value for his thought. "'A girl so lightly facile might be blown from here to there, "'and she would scarcely notice the difference. "'Here and there were the same places to her, "'and him and him were the same person. "'A girl of that type comes to a bad end. "'He had seen it often, the type and the end, and never separate. "'Can one not prophecy from facts?' he saw a slut in a slum a drab hovering by a dark entry and the vision cheered him mightily for one glowing minute and left him unoccupied for the next into which she thronged with the flutter of wings and the sound of a great mocking His aunt tracked his brows back to the responsible duties of his employment, and commiserated with him, and made a lamentation about matters with which he never had been occupied, so that the last tag of his good manners departed from him, and he damned her unswervingly into consternation. The other pleasant girl, whose sweetness he had not so much tasted as sampled, had taken to brooding in his presence, she sometimes drooped an eye upon him like a question.' Let her look out, or maybe he'd blaze into her teeth, howl menace down her throat until she swooned. Someone should yield to him a visible and tangible agony to balance his. Does law probe no deeper than the pillage of a watch? Can one filch our self respect and escape free? Shall not our souls also sue for damages against its aggressor? some person rich enough must pay for his lacerations or there was less justice in heaven than in the police courts and it might be that girl's lot to expiate the sins of mary it would be a pleasure if a sour one to make somebody wriggle as he had and somebody should wriggle of that he was blackly determined chapter 29 indeed mrs Cafferty's lodger and mary had become quite intimate and it was not through the machinations of either that this had happened ever since mrs make-believe had heard of that young man's appetite and the miseries through which he had to follow it she had been deeply concerned on his behalf she declined to believe that the boy ever got sufficient to eat and she enlarged to her daughter on the seriousness of this privation to a young man disabilities such as a young girl could not comprehend followed in the train of insufficient nourishment mrs cafferty was her friend and was moreover a good decent woman against whom the tongue of rumour might wag in vain but mrs cafferty was the mother of six children and her natural kindliness dared not expand to their detriment furthermore the fact of her husband being out of work tended to still further circumscribe the limits of her generosity she divined a lean pot in the cafferty household and she saw the young man getting only as much food as mrs cafferty dared to give him so that the pangs of his hunger almost gnawed at her own vitals under these circumstances she had sought of an opportunity to become better acquainted with him and had very easily succeeded so when mary found him seated on their bed and eating violently of their half loaf if she was astonished at first she was also very glad her mother watched the demolition of their food with a calm happiness for although the amount she could contribute was small every little helped and not alone were his wants assisted but her friend mrs Cafferty and her children were also aided by this dulling of an appetite which might have endangered their household peace the young man repaid their hospitality by an easy generosity of speech covering affairs which neither mrs make-believe nor her daughter had many opportunities for studying he spoke of those very interesting matters with which a young man is concerned and his speculations on various subjects while often quite ignorant were sufficiently vivid to be interesting and were wrong in a boyish fashion which was not unpleasant he was very argumentative but was still open to reason therefore mrs make-believe had opportunities for discussion which were seldom granted to her insensibly she adopted the position of guide philosopher and friend to him and mary also found new interests in speech for although the young man thought very differently from her he did think upon her own plane and the things which secretly engrossed him were also the things wherewith she was deeply preoccupied a community of ignorances may be as binding as a community of interests we have a dull suspicion of that him or her who knows more than we do but the person who is prepared to go out adventuring with us with surmise only for a chart and enjoyment for a guide may use our hand as his own and our pockets as his treasury as the young man had no more shyness than a cat it soon fell out that he and mary took their evening walks together he was a clerk in a large retail establishment and had many things to tell mary which were of great interest to both of them for in his place of business he had both friends and enemies of whom he was able to speak with fluency which was their due mary knew for instance that the chief was bald but decent she could not believe that the connection was natural and that the second in command had neither virtues nor whiskers she saw him as a codfish with a malignant eye he epitomized the vices which belonged in detail to the world but were peculiar to himself in bulk he must be hairy in that event language even the young man's could not describe him adequately he ate boys for breakfast and girls for tea with this person the young man was in eternal conflict a bear with little ears and big teeth not open conflict for that would have meant instant dismissal not hairy at all a long slimy eel with a lot of sense but a veiled unremitting warfare which occupied all their spare attention the young man knew for an actual fact that some day he would be compelled to hit that chap and it would be a sorry day for the fellow because his ability to hit was startling he told mary of the evil results which had followed some of his blows and mary's incredulity was only heightened by a display of the young man's muscles she extolled these because she thought it was her duty to do so but preserved some doubts of their unique destructiveness Once she asked him could he fight a policeman and he assured her that policemen are not able to fight at all singly but only in squads when their warfare is callous and ugly and conducted mainly with their boots so that decent people have no respect for their fighting qualities or their private characters. He assured her that not only could he fight a policeman but he could also tyrannize over the seed, breed and generation of such a one and moreover he could accomplish this without real exertion against all policemen and soldiers the young man professed an eager hostility and with these bad people he included landlords and many employers of labor his denunciation of these folks might be traced back to the belief that none of them treated one fairly a policeman he averred would arrest a man for next door to nothing and any resistance offered to their spleen rendered the unfortunate prisoner liable to be manhandled in his cell until their outraged dignity was appeased. The three capital crimes upon which a man is liable to arrest for are being drunk or disorderly or for refusing to fight, and to these perils a young man is peculiarly susceptible and is to that extent interested in the force and critical of their behavior." The sight of a soldier annoyed him, for he saw a conqueror trampling vaingloriously through the capital of his country, and the ability of his land to eject the braggart astonished and mortified him. Landlords had no bowels of compassion. There was no kindliness of heart among them, nor any wish to assist those whose whole existence was engaged on their behalf he saw them as lazy unproductive gluttons who cried forever give give and who gave nothing in return but an increased insolent tyranny many employers came in the same black category they were people who had disowned all duty to humanity and who saw in themselves the beginning and the end of all things They gratify their acquisitiveness, not in order that they might become benefactors of their kind, the only righteous freedom of which we know, but merely to indulge a petty exercise of power and to attain that approval which is granted to wealth and the giving of which is the great foolishness of mankind these people used their helpers and threw them away they exploited and bought and sold their fellow men while their arrogant self-assurance and the monstrous power which they had gathered for their security shocked him like a thing unbelievable in spite of its reality that such things could be fretted him into clamor he wanted to point them out to all people he saw his neighbors ears clogged and he was prepared to die howling if only he could pierce those encrusted auditories that what was so simple to him should not be understood by everybody he could see plainly and others could not although their eyes looked straightly forward and veritably rolled with intent and consciousness did their eyes and ears and brains act differently to his or was he a singular monster cursed from his birth with madness at times he was prepared to let humanity and ireland go to the devil their own way he being well assured that without him they were bound quickly for deep perdition of ireland he sometimes spoke with a fervor of passion which would be outrageous if addressed to a woman surely he saw her as a woman queenly and distressed and very proud he was physically anguished for her and the man who loved her was the very brother of his bones there were some words the effect of which were almost hypnotic on him the isle of the blessed the little dark rose the poor old woman and Cataline, the daughter of houlihan the mere repetition of these phrases lifted him to an ecstasy they had hidden magical meanings which pricked deeply to his heartstrings and thrilled him to a tempest of pity and love he yearned to do deeds of valor violent grandiose feats which would redound to her credit and make the name of irishman synonymous with either greatness or singularity For, as yet, the distinction between these words was no more clear to him than it is to any other young man who reads violence as heroism and eccentricity as genius. Of England he spoke with something like stupefaction, as a child cowering in a dark wood tells of the ogre who has slain his father and carried his mother away to a drear captivity in his castle built of bones. So he spoke of england he saw an englishman stalking hideously forward with a princess tucked under each arm while their brothers and their knights were netted in enchantment and slept heedless of the wrongs done to their ladies and of the defacement of their shields alas alas and alas for the once proud people of bamba end of section 14